0: Well, as we are in week two of our series in James, it'll be helpful if you have that passage open from James chapter 1, verse 9. If you don't have a Bible or a Bible device and you would like one, just let one of the ushers know, and they would love to give you a Bible to read as well. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, and help us as we unpack this passage to learn them, to learn more from you to learn more about you, to inly digest your words, that it may bear fruit in our lives for your kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, the story goes that in the early 1900s, the London Times newspaper sent out a question to some journalists and some authors to ask them to write an article on what is wrong with the world. Uh, One person wrote back, Dear Sir, regarding your article, What is Wrong with the World, I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. Now, I suspect that if you were to ask the people of the secular world this same question today, uh, you might get such answers as possibly maybe religion is, or maybe God is, or more simply... Somebody else other than me is the worst thing in the world, is what is wrong with the world. People can be so quick to point the finger and blame others for evil and sin, and yet so often can point to themselves for all the good things in the world. Uh, People can think that they're the best thing that ever happened to the world, but others to be be blamed for what is wrong. Uh, But... In our passage today, in James chapter 1, verse 17, this is what we read. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So actually, good things come from God. or Whereas actually, things such as evil desires... And things such as sin and things which are the things that are wrong in the world comes from the human heart, comes from the human condition. But what's so phenomenal is that we know that God has done such amazingly phenomenal loving things for us, even though our hearts are deceptive. And so because of what God has done and because of who God is, we can know that no matter what we are facing, we can have the uttermost assurance that he is good, that he knows what is best for us, and that he will do good. So we'll see today that God lifts up the humble and that God gives good gifts. So I wonder, how does the world view those who are humble or in poor circumstances. At at its best, people may think that people are down on their luck. Uh, Perhaps in Australian culture, we might cheer these people on as being the underdog. That's probably the more positive spin. But others, sadly, can sometimes be more suspicious or snobby and say that people who are in these poor situations are there because of their own doing and look down on them. Uh, They are declared as poor or oppressed or... Humble and even perhaps company to be avoided. But what does God think of the believer who lives in humble circumstances? And how should these people think of themselves? Well, look with me from chapter 1, verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. This is quite the reversal, isn't it? Uh, The humble or the poor don't have much in the way of finances or possessions. But as we just heard, the poorest believer has so many more riches than the world could ever offer. This means that the believer who lives in the slums of India has far more riches than that of Elon Musk. They have eternity in store. And God with them right now. And yes, the rich may have toys that will probably break and eventually fail. But also, guess what? The person who dies with the most toys still dies. The humble believer, on the other hand, has a position that nobody can take from them. Not even death. So they can take pride in, they can boast in, they can find their life in, they can find their identity in and enjoy all that they have in Jesus. And this is the same for us here today. No matter what our total income is, no matter our socioeconomic status, no matter where we come from, We all have the glorious riches of being known by, of being loved by, of being saved by our great God. We have the security of knowing that even though we might be financially poor, we are so incredibly spiritually rich. We have the comfort of knowing that even if the world sees us as down and out, God sees us as his precious, beloved child. We have the consolation of knowing that if the world even thinks that we're alone, we always have the presence of God with us by his Spirit. We have the hope of knowing that even if the world wants to put us to death, that God will raise us to be with him in the new creation. So perhaps you're joining us here in person or joining us online and maybe you're feeling a little bit small in the world a little bit humble, a little bit lowly. Or maybe you've reached a point in your life where you've uh, led to be thinking, gosh, is this really all that there is? This isn't really exactly how I plan out my life to be. Well, friends, see all that you have in Christ. You aren't small in his eyes. You aren't down nor out to him but you are intimately known and so dearly loved by him. John says in his letter, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And this isn't looking on the bright side of life. This isn't looking at the world through rose-tinted glasses. No, this is reality. We have everything that we need in Christ. So those who are humble, take pride in your high position in God. Because God lifts up the humble. But in reality, here in Toowoomba in Australia in the year 2022, there are some of us here who are living pretty comfortable lives. It would be tempting for us to look on all that we've accomplished and all that we own and take pride and boast in these things. But that would be a great mistake. Uh, James continues addressing rich believers in these next verses. So look at me from verse 10. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they all pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms, falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way that a rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. So then, instead of the rich believer boasting in their possessions and all that they own and all they have, they ought to boast or take pride in their humiliation. (laughs) That is, take pride or boast in their humble state before Jesus. Their lowly state of being dead in sin, but marvelously and gloriously made alive because of God's grace. Because it's only through this humility and repentance that we can have all the riches of Christ. See, the worldly riches will fade away. The unrepentant rich person will pass away. So then the believer who has a lot of worldly possessions mustn't boast in or find their identity or pride in what they own but in their humble status before Christ. Take pride in all Christ has done for them. Take pride in their spiritual wealth. But this is also so freeing as well. Uh, because if we don't take pride in our possessions, or if we don't find our identity in what we own, then it also allows us to be generous. It allows us to be generous in helping the poor, in showing hospitality, in being generous and giving in general. Uh, Because our worth isn't in what we own or in the praise of the world. Those things will fade away. But our worth is solely and only in God. It's worth only in the one who has purchased us at the cost of his very own life, who has given us his spirit to be with us always and provides us with life. For eternity, And he's the same God who also gives us all the resources and everything that we need to be able to persevere through trial. So look with me from verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The world may say, blessed are those who have an easy life, You have a four-bedroom house with a white picket fence, a Labrador, and 2.5 kids. But James says something different. (laughs) Blessed are those who persevere under trial. Uh, People who don't know God may smirk when Christians undergo trial. They may think, uh, oh, you know, if God is so good, why does he allow this to happen? Surely this means that God isn't good Or maybe that God doesn't exist. But no, even through trial, God says that these people are blessed. It doesn't mean that trials are going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we should go searching out trials as well. But it means that undergoing trials and persevering through them, as we saw last week, Leads us to a deeper intimacy with God, a deeper trust in God, a relationship with God that is tested, that lasts, that leads to blessings. So then we don't strive in vain, we don't suffer without a purpose, but as we saw last week, we can even face these things with joy knowing that God is with us every step of the way. And also knowing the inheritance of the victor's crown, the crown of life for those who love him. And how can we be sure of this? Well, because of the cross. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And his love for us then is no different to his love for us right now. And no amount of trials, no amount of poverty, no amount of riches can separate us from his love and his care. And so in the meantime, all we need to do is keep reminding ourselves of this. Keep on reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ. Of our high position in him. And then run to him. And then also remembering that God is the giver of good gifts. Even though we may not see, always see the good in them at the time. But in this next section, James makes it clear that these good gifts do not include temptation. So look at me from verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, for some reason, uh, in the St. Bart's office, I've gained the reputation of eating anything within my vicinity. Uh, This may have come from the high probability that if anybody puts any food on my desk, it will be consumed uh, by the end of the day, especially if it's sweet. Uh, But let's just make it clear, the type of temptation that James is talking about here doesn't relate to that next Tim Tam or that next Red Frog well, that next strawberry and cream, even though those are particularly tempting. <laughs> no, James is talking about the temptation to sin. And James makes it so abundantly clear that this sort of temptation comes only from each person's evil desire. He says that God doesn't tempt anyone to sin or to do evil. So God won't tempt us to sin. So when we are tempted, this does not come from God. But it's also to note uh, that being tempted to sin in and of itself is not sinful. And this temptation is unfortunately part of the Christian's life this side of eternity. If you remember... Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, but he did not sin. So temptation isn't sinful, but what arises from it can be. And this temptation doesn't come from God because God isn't tempted by evil. He doesn't have anything to do with evil. He doesn't want his people to stumble and to fall. And so he doesn't and won't lead us into temptation. And yes, sometimes he will allow trials to happen. And temptation might arise from these trials. But God doesn't tempt us. So where does temptation come from? Well, look at me from verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin... And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Temptation arises from the heart, from within. Ever since the fall, the heart and desires of it have been untrustworthy. And yes, this side of the cross, we have the Holy Spirit to help us and to point us to Jesus. We have God's word to help us. But our hearts can still deceive us. Uh, The language here that James uses comes from fishing. Uh, Now, I'm no fisherman. But from what I can gather, to get some types of fish, you need a lure and something eye-catching that reflects the light in a certain way to make it appealing, that goes through the water in a certain way, something to entice them to take a bite. Uh, They think that it's something good, something interesting. But when they take the bite, I find out that it's something completely different. And well, our evil desires can be like this. Uh, They can reflect the light in a certain way that makes it look appealing. It can lure us in to make us think that it looks good. Uh, We can deceive ourselves and take a bite. And then before we know it, We've forgotten about God and put him aside. We've forgotten about who we are and what God has saved us to be. And temptation gives birth to sin. And this sin, if it is left unchecked, can fester, can grow until it leads to death. And not just physical death, but eternal death. So then, this morning, if there is sin in your life that is currently going unchecked, that you're letting grow, I want to urge you, turn away from it. If it's an unshakable habit, please don't feel shame or, or guilt about it, for God has already dealt with sin <laughs> But also, tell a close friend, pray together, read God's word together, come and chat to myself or Adam. Not that we have to be perfect, but that we're called to be faithful to him. And this involves denying our own desires if they don't match up with God's desires for our lives. And this is hard. This is so incredibly hard. Because we live in a world that says, go and chase after your heart's desire. Our world says, fulfill it. But God says, our desires can be deceitful. So instead, chase after what his desires. And his desire has nothing to do with evil or sin. So then, when we are tempted in any way, when that little question of, did God really say that you mustn't do this, arises in our lives, we ought to remember who we are in Christ. Remember what Jesus has done for us. Remember how Jesus has rescued us from sin and doesn't want us to return to its deathly ways. He wants, to live, he wants us to live faithfully as his disciples in his world that's against him. Because what he desires for us and his will is, is good. God gives us good things. Uh, look with me from verse sixteen. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the Heavenly Lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So don't be deceived. Good things don't come from following the corrupt desires of our hearts. Good things don't come from living in sin. Good things don't come from being rich. Good things don't come from being poor either. But good things come from heaven above. Come from our loving Heavenly Father. He is the Lord and creator of all. He is loving. Uh, on our news screens over the past weeks have been images from the brand new James Webb telescope. Uh, the images have revealed thousands and millions and billions of stars and galaxies that are all millions of light years away. And guess what? Our Lord is the creator and sustainer of all of it. Every new image shows up even more of space and beauty that was created by God. Every photo reveals more of the goodness of God. And the same God who created all this knows and loves and cares for you. And his rule doesn't change like earthly leaders who may flip, but he doesn't change. He has not changed. He will not change. His promises are a sure thing. You know, my character and response to things will change from minute to minute, depending on how hungry I am or how much sleep I've had. But thankfully, God is not like us. God doesn't change. Infinitely powerful. Wonderfully compassionate. Wonderfully loving. And as the old phrase goes... God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And how can we be sure of this? Well, we can see this on grand, beautiful display. On top of that hill where Christ was nailed to the cross for us. out of his utter love for us. And through this, verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Instead of leaving us in sin that gives birth to death in our lives, God has rescued us from the grip of sin so that we might be given new birth and new eternal life with him. And this is the greatest gift of all. And he delights in giving us these good gifts because it is his vast love for us. So, God doesn't send temptation, but he gives us good gifts. And as we saw last week, even the testing of our faith is good. Yes, it is hard, trials are life altering. Sometimes completely devastating. They can leave us questioning God's goodness and wondering why God would allow such things to happen. But throughout all life's hurt and pain, friends, God is still good, He hasn't changed. His character is one of love and compassion. He cares for you. Which means that no matter what we are facing, we can trust in him, run to him, cry out to him, and he will lift us up and sustain us until that final day when he gives us the victor's crown of life. So then whether we are in humble circumstances or rich. Friends, see what God has made you to be in him. See the riches that come from being humble in him. Whether we are undergoing trials. Whether life is easy. Continue to look to his goodness. See what God has done for you and what God will do for you on that final day. When we're undergoing temptations, friends, God's will and desires are so much better than what our sinful heart wants. And in all circumstances, we can rest in the goodness of God who never changes, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and who has loved us, who does love us, who will love us with an everlasting love. So let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Our gracious Lord and heavenly Father, how we thank you so much for all you have done for us. That you love us so much that you would come for us to die for us. To rescue us from our sinful state. So, Heavenly Father, help us to remember your goodness, remember your love, and remember your grace to us in all our circumstances. Heavenly Father, if we are undergoing temptation, help us to remember that you have rescued us from sin, that you have rescued us from death, to live lives for you. When we're undergoing trials... Help us to run to you and to trust in your goodness and your love above all things. Lord, refresh us in this daily and help us to keep our eyes fixed on you now and forevermore. Amen.